Welcome to a brand new podcast called What I Know Now. I'm Sandy Buadana, and this podcast is featuring personal stories and lessons learned from Beachbody coaches around the globe. I want to know what they experienced in their years as being a Beachbody coach and what advice they have. So today for the very first episode, I've asked Julie Boris from Indiana. And I have a whole bunch of questions for you, Julie, on how you got started and where you are now. So Julie, tell everybody a little bit about who you are. Okay. My name is Julie Boris. I live in Carmel, Indiana, and we have lived here, it feels like a lifetime, but about 14, 15 years. I have three daughters. They are 22, almost 20, and 17, which is hard for me to believe given that I'm only 25. So I'm not really sure how that happens. Um, My husband is the head football coach at Butler University. We've been married 25 years next week. And uh, we have a really pretty, uh, a pretty cool life here in Indiana. This has been a great place to raise a family. It's where I started my Beachbody coaching business. Uh, I teach fitness here and it's just um, feels like home for us and it's the longest that we've lived anywhere and coaching you can be a little transient so it's it's been really good to put down roots and find the place that truly feels like home so let's start a little bit with your beach body history how did you find out about beach body and what made you sign up to become a coach well, I found Beachbody through a couple other pieces on my journey. I started as a fitness instructor, but even before that, I was a high school English teacher. And you'll find that there are a lot of teachers in Beachbody. I think we gravitate towards it. And I was a high school English teacher, but of course, with my husband's job, we did tend to move around quite a bit. And when we landed in Wisconsin, I started teaching group fitness. So I went from teaching high school English, which makes no money, to teaching group fitness at the Y, which makes even less, but it was my true passion. Fitness really was the place I was journeying towards all along. It was the place that I knew that I was supposed to be. It was what was in my heart. And so I started teaching group fitness, found a format called Turbo, fell in love with that format, got certified in that format, started teaching that format, became a master trainer for Turbo Kick and Pio, started working for Shaleen Johnson's company, Powder Blue Productions, was one of the original sort of classes of those master trainers. And as Shaleen developed a relationship with Beachbody with Turbo Jam and Turbo Fire and Shaleen Extreme, this opportunity for coaching presented itself. And it felt very right to me, even though I legitimately had no idea what it was. It still felt right because it felt like an opportunity to help more people on a bigger platform. When I was teaching fitness and I was training people in the classroom, The only time I could really touch them and impact them was that particular time. So if you took my turbo kick class at the YMCA from nine to 10, that's the only time I might've seen you that week. But coaching felt like an opportunity to expand that and have deeper relationships, deeper connections and affect people in a deeper way. So it felt like a natural segue or transition or addition, even though I had absolutely no idea what that meant at the time. So that's kind of how I fell into this. I always say I fell into fitness. I didn't have aspirations growing up of being a fitness instructor. I wanted to be a lawyer and drive a gold Corvette, neither of which happened. Uh, I became a teacher, which was what I was supposed to do, and then found fitness, which is what I was supposed to do, and then found coaching, 
which is what I was supposed to do. And I feel like this is what I was put here on earth to do. And that's connect people, especially women with fitness and help them understand how fitness can truly be a catalyst for so many other positive aspects in their life. So you started coaching in the very early days, and it's probably before social media. Yes, there was a before social media. MySpace. So, yeah. So, um, but you were a fitness instructor, and so you were seeing people, um, but since there was no social media, explain how coaching was in the very beginning. How were you connecting? Was it by phone? Was it emailing? And, and what exactly were you doing as a coach? I think because it was so new, just in general, the, the whole idea of Beachbody coaching, certainly not the idea of network marketing, that's been around forever and ever, but the idea of Beachbody coaching and fitness being a piece of you know, a network marketing type industry that was so new and none of us really knew what we were doing that we did, and by we I mean the, my upline coach and the people who were on our team as we started, we did sort of what we knew, which was face-to-face, -face. whether it was people that took my classes or people that took my trainings or people that I saw in the grocery store at the library. It was very face-to-face -face at that time because that's what I knew. That's how I knew how to talk to people. That's how I knew how to um, motivate people was that face-to-face -face way. And yes, it was my space. And I think I had a sort of a blog-ish, but <laughs> like sometimes that stuff pops up on TimeHop. I'm like, what the heck is this? Uh, so there was stuff that was out there in the social media world. And then, you know, Facebook started. And the coolest piece to me is when I see something that comes up on TimeHop or comes up on this, on this day on Facebook, and it was nine or 10 years ago. And it's almost exactly like something I could have written or would have written or did write today. That is such validation to me that I'm on the right path doing the right thing that even 10 years ago, even though I didn't know what I was doing and still trying to, you know, trying to figure all this out, that there was something about this opportunity that I knew was the right place to be with the right people doing the right thing that 10 years later, I can look at those silly social media posts that, you know, weren't all that great, but are still very similar to what I'm posting today. And, and I love that because that consistency, I think, is what has held me in this business. So we just talked face to face. I would talk to people after my classes. I would run challenge groups before there were challenge groups. I would run 10 day and five day challenge groups. And this is sort of in the, the baby of Beachbody before Shakeology even existed. And then when Shakeology came into play, marrying Shakeology and fitness, even before that was a challenge pack, even before that was a challenge group, we just knew on our team that the nutrition and fitness went together and putting people in these 10 day groups and not in a Facebook group, but as an email. So we would, I would email them and check in every day. I didn't have a Facebook live or any of that. So it was all just via email and very in the trenches. And I think that's still happening today. It just happens on a different platform today. It's a different, just a different look today. You know, you segued from MySpace to email to Facebook to Facebook Live to Instagram to Instagram Live. And it, it's all still connecting. It's just a different platform that we're that we are connecting on. And I 
really, as you, as you know, put a stake in the ground when we started this business and said, I want to build local. I want, I want to know my coaches. I want to be able to look them in the eye. I want to be able to see them in my classes. Maybe I want to be able to have them over for lunch on any given day. That was really important to me. And I think that is because I came from that fitness background where I saw, could see in their eyes and look at them. And I want to do that with my team too. So we really built and have continued to build locally and even as this company expands internationally which i love and think it's the coolest thing in the world i never want to be helping someone across the pond and leaving the person across the street out so i try to keep my focus on the people who are right here in my neighborhood even as that neighborhood expands because i do want to look them in the eye i do want to see them i do want to feel like i can hug them or touch them on the arm when they need it because social media will never replace human connection. Let's go back to the beginning when um, you've made your first paycheck as a Beachbody coach. And I wanted to ask you first, were, you didn't get into this to make money, right? I mean, you got into it because it was kind of all fitness and nutrition. It was something mm -hmm. you were interested in, but it started becoming, uh, you know, you started making money at it. What, what was that turning point? How did you feel about that? So yes, we, I got into it because it felt like it was a bigger platform and sort of in the back of my mind and listening to people talk about it, I thought there's a potential to make some money, but certainly had no idea to the degree that the business would change our lives. And my first paycheck, which was of course a paper check, because I don't know if we had direct deposit then, uh, was a check for $38. And I remember telling my upline coach, Christine Dwyer, that really all I wanted to do with this business was pay for my Nikes that I needed to teach turbo with and pay for the music that I wanted to use in my classes. If I could do that, then, you know, that's really awesome. And when the paycheck started to get just a little bit bigger, I don't think if, if you have some, some drive and some goals and, you know, you have that in you it's very easy to see how $38 could become $50, could become $60, could become $75. And when you have children, it's then easy to connect the dots between how that check affects them too. So it turned quickly from me wanting to buy a pair of tennis shoes into me wanting to purchase point shoes for Josie or fund whatever lesson Jenna wanted to take or do whatever Jesse wanted to do. It very quickly turned from anything that I wanted to do in my life to how can I create opportunities for my girls? Because we didn't, we were poor. We didn't have anything. We couldn't get to the end of the month. It was a huge struggle. My husband and I both went into professions that were uh, rich and satisfying emotionally spiritually but not financially and here we chose to have these three daughters who have goals and dreams of their own and we were struggling to get to the end of the month and pay our bills and help them pursue their goals and dreams so it didn't take long for me to understand that if I could make $38 I could probably make a little bit more and that could start to help them and I very clearly remember where I was when I made my first check for a thousand dollars 
And I was, you know, a couple of years in the business. So this is not like we went from $38 to $1,000. This is some time. I was definitely two years before that ever happened. But I remember where I was sitting in my kitchen and I remember calling my husband, not texting. I remember picking up the phone and calling him and saying, uh, I just made a check that's going to cover our mortgage. And I'm going to make that check again next week. I'm going to make that check again the next week and the next week. And that's when he said, so this thing's legit. And that's when I said, it is, and let's go. So it took me a little while to start to see the potential and the possibility. I think that's totally normal. Uh, I think but that- But was the $1,000 coming from retail sales? Absolutely not. Okay, so explain where that money was, how was it being made? That money comes from building a team. And that's probably the most powerful piece of this business in that it- you know, it's, a, it's two sides of the coin because the business is about you in that your team and your business can only grow to the extent you will. So it is about you in that respect, but the business isn't about you in that if you truly want to make an impact and make an income, it's about building a team and serving a heck of a lot of people. But the only way you get to do that is by working on you. And when you work on you, then your business grows. So it, it and Sandy, I'm not a math person. I was an English major. So the idea of math and strategy and all that wasn't making sense to me. What made sense to me was if I can help more people and I can connect more people with our solutions that work, that can help my family too. And then I can help those people help their family and those people can help their family. That made sense to me. So I wanted people on my team. I wanted people coming to my house for lunch where we could talk about this business. I wanted to see people where we could talk about bigger goals and bigger dreams. And that's where the thousand dollars comes from. It comes from team cycle. It does not come from just retail. If I had to sell all that, that would not be nearly as much fun as getting to work with a whole lot of people who are on the same mission I am. Well, I, d I do want to mention that when you started in the business, there were no challenge packs and Shakeology wasn't even introduced. No. So you were basically selling P90X and Activate. Activate. <laughs> so, so just the fact that you're saying, you know, you saw the boom for your financial um, paycheck come when you started building a team. Yes, absolutely. Okay. No so, question. So no that question. was a learning for you. Now, now, Take us into the next chapter. When you start building a team and getting to a certain level, then what goals are, were you looking at initially as a, as a young business owner? Well, my coach, Christine Dwyer, had achieved the highest level in the business pretty quickly. She achieved, she created a superstar diamond team. She became a 15-star diamond coach. So sort of right out of the gate, the bar was set pretty high for us. And that became something that was on my radar, but still seemed pretty far off, you know, because I had never been an entrepreneur. I had never owned my own business. I had never done anything like this. I felt like I was playing a lot of catch up and trying to become that leader. Sometimes you can get caught up in trying to become a leader instead of just doing the work. Um, so you know, there is a little bit of balance with that too, but the bar was set high for us and we could see, started to see the potential that was in the business because Christine was setting that, that bar for us and running that race. And then you start to see other success stories and you start to create your own success stories too. And you start to make that check for a thousand dollars and see other people on your team go, 
wow, I made a check for whatever it was. And I got to fill my tank with gas and go to the grocery store. And then my goals became, I want more of that happening on my team. I want more people on my team who are serving others, connecting people with these solutions that work, being a catalyst for change in others' lives, and then being able to create income. And I'm not apologetic about income, create income in their lives so they can change their lives. Because my gosh, there are so many people out there who can't like, who are like we were and couldn't even get to the end of the month, you know? And my husband and I both have college degrees. My husband has two master's degrees. So there has to be other ways besides traditional ways in the corporate world and whatever to create income. And, and this became that for us. And I wanted it to be that for as many people as possible, no matter what their goals were, maybe the mom at stay at home mom just wanted to create enough where she covered her own Shakeology and didn't have to tap into the family budget for that. And that is awesome. Or maybe you were the mom like me where I was going to pay for all my girls activities and then start to create a vacation fund for us and then start to create a, you know, I had bigger goals and I don't care where your goals and dreams were. The business could make them happen. So I was started, I started to look for people who wanted that too, who, wanted more in their life, maybe couldn't quite articulate what the more was and probably couldn't articulate how to get it. Because certainly I would never have been able to say this speech body opportunity was going to change my life to the degree that it would, that it does on a daily basis. But I knew I wanted more in my life. Just didn't know how to get it. I was looking for those people. They want a little bit more. They're just not quite sure where the vehicle is that will help them get there. So we started looking for that. People started growing their own teams. We started kind of setting some records here in Indiana and being the first team to do some really cool accomplishments here in Indiana. And that was also at the same time that the business was rolling out more and more programs. So we now had Shakeology and we now had more programs to offer people. So we had more solutions that would fit into people's lives and that would attract more people. So it was a really fun growing time. I, I'm super glad that I came in when it was so young because I have loved, it's kind of like your kids. Like I have loved every stage and age that my children are. I have loved every bit of this business as it has grown. Julie, in your opinion, is there a special skill needed to be a coach, a Beachbody coach? I don't think that skill is the right word because I don't think I have very many special skills. I think it's more mindset or attitude. I don't, I'm not, certainly not the smartest coach. And I'm not very creative. I'm just really, really consistent. And I really um, dig in and don't really allow any other option. And I think, I don't think that's a skill. I just think that's a mindset that I'm going to get up and do the work every day and try to stay out of my way as much as possible, which I is, think, I think that's called discipline. Yeah, maybe that's it. And, that, so, and I think that, but I do think people believe that discipline is a special skill and I don't think it is. I just think it's a decision that you make that you're going to do it. And some days are better than others. I, and I also think that humans, especially females, think that when you have a less disciplined day, that that's a character flaw. No, it's just a less disciplined day. So make a better decision the next day and do something else the next day. It's not the end of the world. So I, that's the only 
special skill that I might have is consistency. So I have a question about being an entrepreneur. We talked a little bit before this um, call and the word entrepreneur is, is, you know, has a different meaning for people. When in this business did you feel like you were a real business owner? I mean, when did you go from coach to business owner? That's a great question. I would say, I don't know that the switch has ever flipped completely where I think of myself as a coach first. So it's interest, always interesting, and I think it drives people kind of crazy when they ask me to speak on their team calls and like, well, tell me your, your accomplishments and tell me all the things you describe so I can describe it to my team. I'm like, okay, here are your things that you tell them. You tell them that I'm a wife, that I'm a mom, and that I'm a coach. So I don't ever get away from the coach title, but if you don't think of yourself as a business owner, whether you like the word entrepreneur or not, if you don't think of yourself as a business owner, you are missing a mindset shift that will help you create the income that can change your family's life. So I think sometimes women especially get in this and like, I just want to help people. Well, I want to help people too. And the people that I want to help most are the people that live right here in these four walls with me. And I'm going to do that by helping people outside these four walls. And that's a business owner. So I think Melanie Mitro has said it, but I, I, I've heard it a million different ways from a million different people. You don't get to make an income unless you make an impact. So you have to know how to make that impact as a business so that you can make an income. But I don't ever want to lose the mindset of being a coach because I think that's what sets us at Team Beachbody apart. That it is not just a business. It is so much deeper, more guttural, more emotional than that. That's what makes us different so that we can be business owners and still have that coach heart connection. That's what makes our business hard. It's also what makes it amazing and special. You know, I think of people that are not entrepreneurs like myself. I work at a corporate level. I, you know, I get a fixed paycheck and I, you know, my, my creativity is limited in what I can do in my job, which is why I'm doing a podcast right now. <laughs> but I'm thinking like, when does it, you know, people leave their jobs, they fire their bosses to go be with a network marketing company. But mm -hmm. when did it start becoming for you, like it was a job for you or does it ever become a job? Do you just continuously keep innovating and creating so that it doesn't turn into just a job? Yeah, I think a job has a negative connotation. Uh, and, and I do, I am very lucky. I'm fortunate in that I'm married to someone who also has a passion about his career. So we get that piece of it. Although his job as a football coach is in a corporate E type environment in that it is a, at an institution. And he, like you, has a little less creativity and he has a fixed paycheck. It doesn't matter how many conference championships he wins. This will be his paycheck. You still don't go into coaching of any kind unless you just have love it. I mean, you have to love it every minute of it. So um, I think that I just don't ever lose my fire for this business because there's always something new to learn. There's just always something new to learn. There's always something new to do. There are always new goals to reach that the, the idea of it being a job in a negative way 
never really occurs to me. It's just because it's not what I do. This is just who I am. So I get up every morning already thinking about what I'm going to do in my business because I love it. And then I go to bed every night thinking about what I'm going to do in my business because I love it. And it never feels, it can feel like, oh, I better write that down so I don't forget it. But it never feels weighty in a negative way. It feels weighty in a, I got to write that down. I don't want to forget it because I think that's going to that's going to be really cool to do, or I think that's a cool idea, or how am I going to figure this out? How am I going to talk to my leader so we can collaborate on this or whatever? But I never feel like it's, oh, I have to get up and go downstairs and check in with my challengers again. Like that, ne that never occurs to me. Now, that doesn't mean there aren't days that are less fun than others, or there aren't pieces of the business that are less fun than others. There are moments in the business that aren't less frustrating than others. There are moments in the business where I want to stick a pencil in my eyeball sometimes. That's because you love your job. You know, my husband wouldn't come home frustrated sometimes from practice if he didn't care about his players so much. I wouldn't want to rip my hair out sometimes if I didn't care about my coaches so much and see the potential in them and wish they could see the potential in themselves. That doesn't mean it feels like a job. So I think that the negative connotation of job needs to go away and this is just who I am. It's what I do, but it's also who I am. So when people say, how many hours a day do you work? I'm like, uh, all, all day long. I don't know, because I feel like I'm just always this is just who I am. I'm always talking. If I go to Whole Foods and someone, I'm going to talk about fitness to someone at Whole Foods. And if I'm sitting getting my hair cut, I'm going to talk about that. Then. It just never shuts off for me, but it never feels like that's overwhelming or weighty in a negative way. It just feels right and good. And it affirms that I'm where I am doing the thing I'm supposed to be doing. Do you think that passion can rub off? On I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. Uh, I hope that, and th you know, that started with teaching high school English when I would teach Shakespeare and I would think, oh, please just let them like it a little bit. Mm -hmm. Or when we'd read something, I'd say, I would think, just please let them learn to learn to love to read a little bit, you know, and then you do it with your children too. And you read or you do take them to live events or you're like, please just let them learn, you know, let them feel this a little bit. And so I, I transferred that into fitness and, you know, please let my class members feel the music and, and feel their capabilities when they take my class. And then with your coaches, please let my coaches feel how much I believe in them and that, and let that fuel their own belief. So I hope that it can rub off because gosh, if it doesn't, the world would be a very sad place to live because I think that's how change gets made is that, um, passion rubs off. So you mentioned earlier about time hop and sometimes um, Facebook or social media throws us a picture back from years ago. Can you say that there is something that never changes with what you do? Like you can look back and say, wow, I was still doing this as a coach. I mean, what, what never fades with coaching? <laughs> Consistency, for sure. Um, for me, fitness and health and wellness has always been non-negotiable. How it looks in my life is different, but the component of it in my life is non-negotiable. Um, everything 
being about my family consistent. You know, it doesn't, that's never changed no matter whether we were really, really poor or, or we can take them on a Disney cruise. That's, that's never changed that that has always been the driving force behind anything that I do. Um, and a, and a strong belief in the potential of other people, because on the days when you don't feel like you can, you have any belief in yourself. And we all have those days. You can't be human on the planet and not have days where you're like, I just don't think I can get this done or I can't accomplish this goal or whatever. A strong belief in other people and the potential of other people and tapping into that, I think fuels your own belief in yourself. So I've always strongly believed that we are more powerful than we give ourselves credit for being. That's, I mean, you see stories like that all the time. How can anyone ever doubt their capabilities? And yet we do it on a daily basis. And if, so I have always believed that, that all of us are stronger than we think we are. I've believed that all my life. And on the days when I don't, feel that way about myself, I can tap into other people's stories and see, well, if they can do it, so can I, and allow that to fuel my own belief as well. I've always told my coaches that the only confidence they need is their own story. You know, I don't need a million scientific research papers to tell me that Shakeology works. I just need my 91-year-old mom who drinks it every day, whose blood pressure is down, whose cholesterol is down. That's all I need. That's my story. That's my armor. That's my confidence. I don't need a million other scientists to tell me. I need my 17-year-old who, when she went to camp and didn't drink it for a week, was emailing me going, can you send it to me, please? I need it. That's my story. That's the confidence I need. I don't need other people to tell me that they've lost 100 pounds to believe in our pro programs and products. I just need to go down to my basement, press play, come upstairs and feel stronger than I did before I went down there and know that that's all the confidence I need. So I would say consistency has always been my thread, my superpower and a strong belief in others and then tapping into that when I need that myself. So this has been great, Julie, and I'm just going to end with one final question, and that is, what is the one thing? And by that, what is the advice that you would have given to your younger business self? And by younger, I mean when you first started out as a business leader. Um, what advice would you give to that person right now? Start, because I wasted time in the beginning. And throughout my journey, wanting to know everything or waiting to know everything or thinking that I couldn't start because I didn't know everything. And when I became a coach in June 2008, I waited eight months before I did anything with the business. And I wish I had those eight months back because I watch coaches now come out of the gates and eight days into the business, they've done more than I did in eight months. And kudos to them because... I think that sets them up for much a very strong foundation in the business. And when you don't just start, it's, it takes you longer to start. It's sort of like running a half marathon or a marathon. You know, when I ran my first half marathon, I remember all the training manuals said, don't stop. Don't stop at the water breaks. Don't stop and take a break because it's so much harder to get going again. And I watched the people who would stop and how hard it was for them to get going again. And I would just, I didn't stop. I might slow down, but I just never stopped. And I 
wished I would have done that in the business right away, just started and not waited till I thought I knew everything and or that I could answer every coach's question because it's so much easier to create momentum and keep momentum going if you just start. And even if you don't know all the answers, because we never will, there I will never know everything that's in the coach online office and I've been doing it 10 years. There will always be someone else who does. And that's the beautiful part about being on a team is that we can tap into those other resources to answer the questions. But if we don't just start, we'll never know. And if I hadn't just started even 10 years ago, even though I waited eight months to get started, even though I sometimes held my own self back during the journey, wanting to know more answers or wanting to feel like I knew more than I did. If I hadn't started 10 years ago, I don't even have words for what our life would be like now. So I think the time's going to pass anyway. Why not just start? That was great. Thank you so much, Julie. Um, well, that's it for episode one of What I Know Now. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Bye-bye.